Welcome to the Family Stories Podcast, where the stories are always told by those who lived them. Hello, I'm Grandpa Jimmy, your host from Colorado Springs. We have a story today that I think is going to blow your mind. Probably one of the most exciting guests I've ever had on the program. Not because of who he is, but what Jesus has done through his life. His name is John, well, it's actually Johan Tote, if I said that right. His lovely wife, Brenda, uh, is there with him as well. They are originally from the Netherlands and now live in Brazil. And I'm not even going to introduce their story. I'm going to let him start telling it. This is going to have you on the edge of your seat. Uh, It is an amazing, amazing story of God's grace, his redemption, and his forgiveness and what he will do with somebody who sells their life out to him. So, Johan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jim. It's a pleasure to be here. And by the way, all of you it's who are listening, he is talking to me from Brazil right now, so we've got a wonderful connection. If something happens to, yeah. to be a little bit uh, delayed momentarily, don't worry about it. It's going to be good. <laughs> so go ahead. So Amen. T- <laughs> tell us about your life. I mean, from the... from. From the beginning of your life, I mean, the story starts when you were just a young man or actually a teenager. That's true, brother. You see, um, I was uh, born and raised in a very rough neighborhood in uh, in Holland. And everybody in my neighborhood, they were like involved in crime or they were involved in drugs or violence. Uh, some like of the ghettos that you have in the States also working a lot of people didn't do that because uh, there was much more money to make in the crime business my father was an alcoholic he was a sailor and uh, my father never received love in his life so he didn't know how to give it also and the bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue so you with your words you can make somebody or you can break somebody and my father tried to break us with his words without him even knowing it because he told me every day that i was not good enough that i never could achieve anything that I should never think that I would any would be somebody any any time in my life because I was just a loser and all these kind of things. And that made me really, really insecure, but it also made me really, really angry inside because I just wanted to be good enough for my father and I wanted him to be proud of me. Well, uh, in my neighborhood, yes, brother, you want to say? Yes, let, let me mention one thing real quick just for our audience. Now, you're how old right now? Now, they can't now see. I'm 48. Okay, he's 48. I want I'm you to know that uh, yeah, this started yeah. early in his life. He's 48. Now, you can't see his picture. Very good-looking man from the Netherlands, but he's 48. And <laughs> and uh, just, just want you guys to know that. Yes, 48. I'm married, got four children, four grandchildren, the fifth on the way. So that's all cool. <laughs> yes, it is. But, uh, but while I was this little kid, you know, um, in the neighborhood, I saw that when you have a lot of money, when you have a lot of uh, possessions, uh, you have a lot of respect and a lot of power and people talk about you like you are the king, like you have really made it, like you are a real G and everything. Everybody thinks that you're amazing. So I heard those stories and I saw how people talked about people that had money and power. And I wanted to have that also because I wanted to be good enough. I decided, you know, if I'm going to make a lot of money, if I'm going to have a lot of power and if I'm going to have a lot of respect, you know, then everybody would say that I am good enough. But I can make that money while working a normal job from uh, eight to five or something like that. So I very quickly uh, was involved in the crime world. By 11 years old, I was already starting to uh, rob houses. When I was like 15, I did assaults, you know, and we, uh, we, st- we stole everything that was loose or that was fixed because we just, you know, whatever we could take to make money, we did. You, you had, did you have any fear? 
of doing that? No, no fear. No fear. <laughs> we were like, you know, uh, we were living like outlaws. That means that we didn't take anything in account for nobody. We were not afraid of nobody. If there would be any problems, we would solve them, you know, with our hands. If we couldn't solve it with our hands, we would use other things for that. You know, so it was like, um, uh, you know, eye for an eye and a, and a tooth for a tooth, you know, it's like that. Very quickly, I entered into prison also and uh, all, always for those little petty things. Then I spent uh, six months or a year or something like that in prison. And then I got out again, started all over again. While I was 15 years old, I also got involved with uh, drugs and I started to use cocaine. Very quickly, I was addicted to cocaine because it made me feel like I was like I was uh, omnipotent, that I could do anything. I felt like uh, I could, uh, you know, like, like I owned the, the world was was mine, you know. So because of that cocaine, I even got more guts to do things that I normally, uh, as a normal thinking person, probably wouldn't do. So uh, very quickly, I started to to evolve to be in bigger crimes and bigger crimes and bigger crimes. Also, the convictions became bigger and bigger. While I was about 19 years old, I was convicted for a, a robbery and they gave me three years. I had to do two years in prison and I did them. But there was a new drug on the market. And I decided by that point that I wanted to be involved in drug business because I wanted to make as much money as possible so that I could be somebody and I could be good enough and be accepted by everybody in this world. So what happened was uh, this drug, ecstasy, was on the market and I started to, to, to study the drug. And before I knew it, I was making the drug and I was setting the drug. It was so easy and I started to make so much money while I was just a young boy, about 21, and I was always already a multimillionaire. And I could do what I want and buy what I want. And I just went on to like a, a, a roller coaster of crazy life. In that meantime, I also met my wife and she went just along with me together. We were like Bonnie and Clyde and we did the most crazy things that you can imagine that a person can do. While I was uh, about uh, 22 years old, more or less, I was arrested again. But this time I was arrested for manufacturing uh, drugs, ecstasy. They gave me six years imprisonment, but I saw a chance to get out of prison. So I, I escaped and then I was on the run. I started to manufacture everything that I could do from chemicals to the, to the drug, from the drug to the pill, from the pill to the market. I had all this control and there was so much money coming in that I had, I needed machines to count the money and it was not fun to count money anymore. Then you have a lot of money. If it's not funny anymore to count it, you have a lot of money. And we could buy what we want. I bought the most expensive cars, the most expensive jewels. I, I already told you, like, I had so many diamonds on my body. I looked like a Christmas tree. The, the rappers on MTV would be jealous on me because of the diamonds that I was using. I had so many cars. I had so many crazy things. I could do what I want. I bought kilos of cocaine. And, you know, I was just consuming 24-7, partying, partying, and doing all this crazy stuff. And I had all these things that this world said that I needed to have to be good enough and to be happy. But you know what? Something, brother. I had this storm in my life, my whole life. This storm, this emptiness in me that could not be stopped by nothing in that world, in this world. No, and not the emptiness could not be filled with anything in this world. I've tried it with drugs. I've tried it with women. I've tried it with money. I've tried it with possessions, with power. With all these crazy radical things in my life, but there was nothing that could stop that storm in me and could feel that emptiness inside. One moment when I had so much money, I, I escaped to Portugal. And when we were in Portugal, I started to continue the business there. I also opened the factory there, was making a lot of money, lived a, a life like a king, but I was so empty and so lonely. All my friends were not really my friends. The people that I worked with, you couldn't trust. The 
police was on top of me. My father still thought that I was not good enough. You know, I was not good enough for my wife. I was not good enough as a father for my children. You know, so I, I basically felt in life and like big time. And one moment, you know, I was so deeply sunken, you know, in my life that I was sitting in my villa all by myself using so much cocaine. And one night I just shouted it out. It was in 2001. And I said, God, if you are really God, if you really exist, then you need to help me because I'm going to die. I have everything, but I have nothing. I am using drugs. I can't stop. I am like I am I'm skinny onto the bone. And I'm going to die. I can't stop. Please help me, God. If you are really God, help me. But nothing happened. And it felt like he didn't even, under, he never heard my cry or something. God didn't exist. It felt like that. And I was really, really disappointed. And it felt like everything was lost. So I continued using my drugs for months and months. And then on Christmas night, 2001, whatever I tried to put drugs into my body, smoke it, sniff it, whatever, it failed. I couldn't do it. The, the glass broke, the lighter broke, the drugs fell on the floor. Whatever I tried, I couldn't get it into my system. So that night I went to bed. And the next morning when I woke up, it felt like I had never used drugs in my life. I was completely set free. But I was completely forgotten the prayer that I prayed months before. Many people think that they pray, God didn't hear me. But it's not true. Sometimes it takes time for your prayer to get through. <laughs> you know, you just need to have faith in God. But I didn't know that. So I... I didn't know God. I never heard about God. I just cried out something to something I hoped could help me, but he, did, he didn't hear me. That's what I thought. And that day when I uh, was clean from drugs, I never understood that it was God who had set me free. So I gave myself all the glory. I was still continuing my business. And about nine months later, my perspective about life already started changing a little bit because I was sober for the first time in 15 years. In 2002, in the summer of 2002, I was arrested in Portugal also. The police was on top of me. And uh, they arrested me after an investigation of a year. And when I went into prison, I went clean into prison in Portugal. My wife was arrested also. We couldn't see each other. We couldn't speak to each other for two years. And it was a hard time. Our children were in Holland. It seemed like uh, the whole world was crashing down. And basically, when I was now so clean, they gave me 12 years in Portugal, six years in the Netherlands. So it was 18 years. Eventually, I had to spend 10 years in prison. But while I was in prison, I saw so many bad things. I saw what drugs did with people. I saw... Uh, how the, the criminals that were successful were treated. Where they treated me like a king in prison, and they told me that I was good enough because I was a very successful uh, criminal in their eyes because I made a lot of money and I, I was uh, very powerful. But uh, I didn't feel good enough, and I didn't want to be good enough at that way also anymore. I didn't want people to recognize me as a good criminal. I want them to recognize me as a good person, but I didn't feel like I was a good person anymore. So after three years that I was in prison, Things started to change a lot in my life, started to change a lot in my heart. One night when I was alone in a cell, just thinking about my life and how I turned into a person that I didn't really like. And I lost myself. I, I lost Johan. I started to cry and I started to think about my mama and how I hurt her, how I, I did her pain in her life. I started to think about other people that I hurt and that I uh, abused, uh, you know, uh, that, like uh, verbally or I, I, I treated them bad or I broke their trust, you know, just to gain money over the back of people and all these things it just came like flashes into my mind and i felt so bad that i started to cry a deep deep cry out of the inner of my whole being and suddenly this so supernatural force just threw me off my bed it was in the middle of the night there was no there was no light in my cell just a light of the television and i was on the floor crying like a little baby and i was curled up you know like when a baby is like curled up in the belly of his mom i was like that on the floor crying crying and then suddenly 
like out of nothing. My whole cell was filled with a light as bright as the sun. And I just knew that God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he went straight through those stone walls, straight through those steel bars, into that prison cell, to that cockroach that was crying on the floor, pouring his heart out, ashamed about the person that he became. And all I could do was cry out and said, God, God, please forgive me. Forgive me, God. How could I turn into that person? How could I become that person? I don't want to be that person anymore. Please, God, can you forgive me? Can you forgive me? And there was this, this still sound of voice that says to me, you are already forgiven. And from that moment on, this wave, this ocean, this tsunami of love came inside of me. Instead of being around me, it came inside of me. And I was completely teared apart, washed out, cleaned, cleansed, however you want to call it. I was completely transformed like in a second. And I knew that I was not the same person anymore. I knew I was completely set free and that my life would never be the same again. I just knew this was a whole new beginning. And I cried and cried and cried and cried from joy. I was on fire because I was crying for hours on the floor. Then I stood up and I felt like I was floating around. I was completely on fire. I walked up and down the whole night in my prison cell. When the door went open and the guard just standing in front of me, I ran to him and I told him, Jesus is alive, man. He loves you and he loves me. And I just hugged him. And I started telling them to everybody in old prison. Everybody thought that I was becoming crazy. This whole thing happened to you without the counsel or help of anybody. It was all just God directly dealing with your heart because you knew nothing. nothing. You knew nothing about all of nothing. this. There were no people in my life that were religious or Christians or anything for that matter. I never been into a church. I never had read the Bible. Nothing. I was so completely transformed when I started to tell everybody, my mama, my daddy, everybody. I called, I called my wife. I told everybody, I said, listen, Jesus is alive. He changed my life. And they're all thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we would just want to see that, you know, because they all knew me. But there was something so completely transformed about me, brother. All the money that I made in the drug business, and I mean, I was really rich. All the money I started to give away to people who had needs. And it really, really, really felt really, really good. Then I had to do another seven years in prison. And in that seven years, there were so many people that accepted Jesus as a Lord and Savior because I told them what Jesus had done for me. I was smiling. I had 18 years of conviction. I was smiling every day and they couldn't understand it. They say, why are you always so happy? Such a big guy under the tattoos and things like that. You're always smiling. I said, Jesus, man, he just made me completely new. So I've got no reason to cry anymore. I'm rejoicing. You know, there have been so many miracles. When I was uh, going, I, I should go back to Holland, but something stopped it for me to go back to Holland to, to do the rest of my time in Holland. I spent five and a half years in a prison in Portugal, and then I, would, I, wanted, I wanted to go back to Holland, but it seemed like it didn't go through. They canceled it. That night, I was in my prison cell, and, and I just opened the Bible and asked, whatever you want, and it shall be given to you. And I said, well, if this is true, I want to go home. I want a miracle because they just denied me to go back to Holland to do my time in Holland with my family there. So the next morning, they called me and they said, listen, you're going back to Holland. So I said, well, this is a miracle, you know. So when I went back to Holland, the, the district of the journey says to me, what are you doing in Holland? I said, well, you got to ask God because he did a miracle in my life. If you stay in me and I stay in you, you can ask whatever you want and it shall be given to you. And I asked for a miracle and he did a miracle. When I was in Holland, my wife accepted Jesus. My mother accepted Jesus. My father accepted Jesus. My brother, my sister, 
I've got all my children accepted Jesus, and I've got thousands of people all over the world accepting Jesus because of God who's touching one life that, you know, had no, nothing to, to be boasting for. I had nothing to be proud of in my life. There was nothing good at me, you know, but God saw something in me that I could never see in myself or anybody else could see in me. And he just took that life, pulled it out of the darkness, washed it in the blood of Jesus, filled it with his Holy Spirit, called me righteous, wrote me down in the book of life and called me his son, good enough. And he just sent me on my way and he says, tell everybody what I did for you, because what I did for you, I also did for them. When I got out of prison after, after seven years, brother, after 10 years, I've done 10 years in prison, but seven years as a Christian. When I got out of prison, I just went into the Bible and I just wanted to know who is my father? You know, what has he done for me? Who is Jesus? What does the word of God says about me? You know, what does it mean, you know, that by his stripes I am healed? You know, I've, I've, we've been called to Brazil. We are not actually living in Brazil, but we, we travel up and down, you know, to do mission trips here. And we have a mission house here in Brazil, all supernatural. But, you know, I was attacked by the yellow fever. I was uh, stung by a mosquito and that got the yellow fever. And the yellow fever is like a deadly virus. There is no cure for that. When I was sick for five days and I was in the hospital, they told me you are going to die. Your organs going to bleed. You're going to turn yellow. I said, no, I'm not because Jesus says that he has a hopeful future for me and that I'm not going to die, but I'm going to live in his name. So I break whatever you tell uh, about me, whatever you are judging me to now, you know, they're condemning me with this death sentence. I said, I break that in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to die. And they just looked at me like I was crazy, but I didn't care. So they went out of the room and I just started praising God and I said, Father, thank you. You already paid everything for me. Jesus' blood is running through my veins. There is no virus that can stay in my body, not yellow fever, not corona fever, not any other fever. So so coronavirus is no big deal. Coronavirus is no big deal if you know who you are in Christ. Because Jesus says, do not be afraid, even a thousand fall on your left and ten thousand on your right. There's no plague that shall come near your tent. There is no plague, no, 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 no fear can come near you if you know who you are in Christ Jesus. So when I stood up and I said, Father, I just believe what you say in your word. I felt the healing came into my body and the doctors couldn't believe it. They did tests on me for two week, uh, for two days on the whole week. And I testified in front of 800 doctors. And they said, can you tell what the symptoms were of your sickness? I said, no, I can tell you the healing of my sickness. And I just start preaching the gospel to them. And they couldn't understand because they're all atheists. And they came to me with tears and they say they were so moved. I said, there is only one healer and his name is Jesus, you know. So I, I just start to understand what my position is in Christ and what my authority is in Christ and that I'm a child of the living God and I don't need to fear anything and that I'm good enough. You know, God is a God of love. He doesn't give me love. He is love. And he says, I love you unconditional. There is nothing that I can do to make him love, love me more. And there's nothing that I can do to make him love me less. You know, I never was hungry in my life, brother. Never hungry. When I get out of prison, I gave away all my money. I had nothing. Zero. We had absolutely nothing. I never worked a job in my life. I was always a criminal. And God said to me in Matthew 6, 33, he says, do seek my kingdom first and my righteousness and all the other things will be added to you. So I just said, all right, Father, I'm going to seek your kingdom and your righteousness. And I want to see you put all the, add all these things into my life. So we get this own business. We we had this own house. We had these beautiful cars. We, when I got out of prison, I had a debt with the um, uh, taxes. You know, I needed to pay about $250,000. You can't make that money with flipping burgers and McDonald's. No, How no, are you going to no. make that money? <laughs> you, you can't do it. 
But God says, you go into my word, you know, and you start seeing how I am walking with you and who you are in me and that you are prosperous because you are my child. And I just start to walk in faith with God and start to proclaim all his truths and all his blessings and promises over my life. And within a few months, supernatural, my debt was paid. So and then after that, he'd been taking care of us and he was really blessing us. And then God told me again, he says, give everything up and start following me. I said, I'm already following you. He says, but I want you to follow me together with your wife, not alone. I said, okay. So we gave up our business. We gave everything away and we just went and trust God. And he never failed us, never, ever failed us. He is a good God and he loves all his children. He has the best for all his children. The Bible says in Romans 8.32, he says, how shall he who not kept his own son for us, you know, not shall give us all things. Now, let, let me, I've got a question for you that's really kind of a tough question. When you meet somebody that your former life has has yeah. hurt, or maybe even they've even died from drug overdoses or whatever it might be. I'm sure there are times when things come up that they could yeah. look at you and say, you're responsible for this. How do you deal with yes. stuff like that? Yeah, you know, in the beginning, when I didn't really know who I was in Christ, I could feel really condemned and feel felt like, you know, how could, ever, how could I ever be forgiven, you know, about all these things I've done in my life. I, I never killed anybody or things like that, but nevertheless, I've poisoned a lot of people with my drugs, you know, even though they felt it was not poison, it's still poison, you know, it's from the enemy. But, you know, first of all, the first thing that you need to do is to start to forgive yourself. You know, like God has forgiven you, you need to start to forgive yourself. Don't say that God is a liar. Were you able to do that very quickly? That, that was very tough. That was very tough. Because I felt I did never, ever deserve anything in my life. And it's true. It's undeserved favor. But I need to forgive myself. But in order to do that, I also needed to forgive others because I also have been really, really being treated bad by a lot of people. They, they betrayed me. I needed to forgive them also. That was also a hard part. But, you know, the Bible says in, in uh, I, I believe it's in Ephesians 4.31, do not be bitter anymore. You know, just whatever happened, whatever anybody did to you, forgive them. So you become free. That was the first thing. I needed to forgive others the way that God has forgiven me. And then I needed to start to love myself the way that God loves me in order for myself to forgive myself. Well, you know, that, 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 that is really, really important what you're saying right now, because until you can receive that forgiveness yourself, you can't really even receive that if you're unwilling to forgive other people. Amen. It's so important, you know, if we see, if we're going to start looking with God's eyes, you know, God says that he, there's no partiality with him. He doesn't want anybody to uh, be lost, but that all come to repentance. If we look at God and we look at humankind, uh, the people, everybody has the same price tag, and that is the blood of Jesus. For him, every person has the same value. Now, if God can forgive me, that was a cockroach. That was, a, I mean, really a treasure from the darkness, if you could say it like that. You know, I was completely lost and I was walking with Satan hand in hand. If he could forgive me so easily, if he could just restore my life so easily and restore all my family because they all got saved. If he can do that for me, who am I to think that he cannot do it for anybody else? Somebody that treated me bad. If somebody did something to me, you know, that, that cost me or hurt me or broke me or damaged me in any kind of way. I mean, it's so easy to forgive them if I think about how God has forgiven me. What about forgiving your own father? Yes, my father became my best friend, Jim. Oh, he became my best friend. First, when I get out of prison, he says, I don't want you to talk about this Jesus. I want, don't want you to talk about the Bible and things like that. If you keep on talking, don't come. I said, OK, I don't come anymore because, you know, I choose Jesus. 
So, but after a few months, he started to see changes in me. And my father was really sick. He had this uh, problem with his lungs, uh, a lung sickness. He was sick for many years because of smoking cigarettes. Then uh, one night I was sitting with him. and I said, Father, you know, I just want to tell you, you know, um, God loves you. He says, you know, I read one day, I read the Bible. Uh, not the whole Bible, but I read something in the Bible that says that God knows about my sitting. He knows about my standing. He knows my going in, my going out. He knows all my thoughts. He said, and that really comforted me because God knows that in my heart, I'm not a bad person. I said, Do you, are you saying that God exists? He says, yes, absolutely. God exists. I said, are you saying that Jesus is his son and that he died for you for your sins? He says, yes, I believe that. I said, do you really believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? He says, yes, I believe that. I said, then you are safe. Brother. <laughs> He's my father, but I called him brother. I said, then you are safe. He said, I guess I am. I said, no, I'm sure you are, you know. So I said, can I pray for you? And he says, yes, you can. And at that moment, he had a huge virus that really made him feel really bad. He couldn't hardly breathe and everything. So that night I prayed for him and he was healed of that virus. And he cried a lot, you know. And then after he had the most beautiful year that you can imagine and everything went really good. But his lungs, he said, I don't want new lungs. I don't want to that my lungs are going to restore because I'm tired and things like that. And how are you going to pray for a person that don't want to, want to have new lungs, you know? So <laughs> I just I just blessed him, you know, and I was there with him. But when, when my father passed away, I felt such a peace in my heart. God spoke to me and he says, he is with me now. Don't worry. He is with me. So I just could see that vision, you know, but he became my best friend. In that year, we spent so much time together. We spoke about Jesus. We spoke about the Holy Spirit, about the Bible, the word of God. We had worship songs. And everything. So, you know, he became my best friend. That was amazing. <laughs> that so, was a gift so from you, God. So you have really gone from being uh, a hardcore criminal to evangelism. <laughs> You're now an evangelist. Absolutely. In fact, in fact, you started a foundation, isn't it, called One in Yes, excellent. And it's, it's One in Him Foundation. We are one in Christ. Did you have a moment when you felt like you were called into evangelism? God gave me a vision. And I saw an ocean of people standing before me and I was on a stage. Now, I never was into a church. I never saw a crusade or anything like that. I was on a stage and I saw all these people putting their hands in the air to accept Jesus. And it was me leading them into did, the kingdom of God. Did you believe that was possible? <laughs> Absolutely. Because <laughs> but the Bible says all things are possible for those who believe. If with men, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible, you know, so. And I never, I never thought that it was me or an evangelist that I should be because I didn't even know what an evangelist was. I just saw myself talking about love and goodness, you know, because that's all I knew about God. I only knew about goodness and love and grace. And then when I started to talk about everybody about Jesus, people told me you're an evangelist, and I, I just put it aside because I didn't know, didn't know what that was. Then when I got out of prison, you know, and I started to go on outreaches and I got started to go to a Bible school and I started to go on mission trips. Everywhere I came, you know, I just preached the gospel and people told me, you're an evangelist. And when I started to understand more about the fivefold ministry and all these kind of things, you know, there was this huge confirmation in my heart that God says, you are an evangelist. That's not somebody who just talks about Jesus. It's somebody that is on fire for the kingdom of God and he wants to go into the darkness to get all those treasures hidden in darkness, to get them out of the darkness and bring them into the kingdom of God. And that is what his heart is burning for, to save as many people as possible in a short time as possible all over the world. So I can't stop talking about Jesus. I need to preach Jesus. Otherwise, I feel like I'm going to die. I really, I need to tell everybody, you know, about Jesus alive. He loves you and he loves me. And he's a and when I went to Bible school, you know, you are like prepared. God is preparing your way. 
Then we started our foundation. Then I wrote a book and they made a documentary about my life. And, you know, and, and then I saw that, that the story that God has given us, the testimony that he's given us to give him glory and honor is blessing so many people all over the world that, you know, it's just like I feel like I'm this instrument that God is using, you know, to tell people about what he is able to do, you know. And that I believe a testimony is very powerful for many people because you lift it like you I'll are tell saying, you, you know. Uh, this is so tremendously needed. There are many, many uh, great evangelists on this planet, that's for sure. But you do have a remarkable story, and people need to hear this. There are millions of people who have come through horrible situations like you're in, and they need to hear that God can change absolutely yes. everything in your life. And and take a man who is in jail and Amen. turn him into an evangelist that's reaching people for Jesus all over the world. What, by the way, what is the name of the book? The name of the book is Good Enough. You can get it on Amazon, and you can get it through our website. It's also in English. It's an amazing book. It tells my whole life story, what I try to tell now in like 30 minutes. It's like told in like 200 and something pages. You know, you go through all the details. But um, uh, what is good about the book is not only encouraging for Christians, but it's a good book, a good tool to give away to people that don't know Jesus. Because my book in Holland is in prisons. My book is given away to people that don't know Jesus. And I get, I get emails from, every, from all over the place on Facebook also that people accepted Jesus after reading my book. How Christians are put on fire again for the kingdom of God after reading my book. So it's not about my story, but it's just about how amazing God is and what he is able to do. That that is not just for me, it's for everybody. You know, Jesus died for every person on this planet. He has died for everybody. <laughs> you know, so everybody is good enough. So what what is your website? Can they go find information on your website? Absolutely. It's also in English. So it's oneinhimfoundation.com. Yes. And you have also on Facebook. It's also oneinhimfoundation.com on Facebook. And there you can, you know, contact us, you know, if you want to know more, if you want to order a book, if you want to invite us. We go everywhere where God calls us to come, you know, because the, the fields are white and it's time to harvest. Uh, it, it, it really so is. It and your faith, especially for people who are fearful about things like uh, coronavirus now, just to know that there is a God. He does heal. He does take care of us. We don't have to worry about everything that comes along in life. And, yes. and you are a perfect example of that. Just want to thank you. Go ahead. Brother is. Yes. Just add to quickly on the Corona thing, you know. I understand that people, you know, they're shaking because of media and all these things are going on. There are people dying, absolutely. But there are so many people dying every day of so many other things, you know. So it's nothing new under the sun. We just need to know that Jesus overcome the world and his perfect love cast out all fear. So we don't need to worry. Just have faith in him. He knows it. He is in control. You know, this moment will pass by, but his words will stay forever. He will be the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just keep your focus on him. Magnify the Lord, and this coronavirus will be gone before that you know it. That is absolutely wonderful. Johan, I want to thank you so much for being willing to take the time to do this. I know it's going to bless a lot of people. They know how to get a hold of you now, and they ought to get your book. I want it. You said you were going to send one. I'm going to be anxiously awaiting that book myself. Because I know it's going to encourage and inspire <laughs> me as well. So thank thank you very much, brothers. To all of you who are listening, thank you for listening. And, uh, you know, you too have a story. It may not be the same as Johan's, but you have a story, and it's probably better than you think. So let us know. Tell me about your story. Have a blessed day.